0: What's your temperament? And how does temperament impact the way you and those around you grow spiritually?
1: Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Host for today's episode, Joe Heschmeyer, and I'm joined by my regular co host, Chloe Langer. Chloe, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks,
0: good to be here. <laughs> we don't normally
1: do it in this way, but I'm actually excited to get to kind of reverse the roles a little bit. We want to talk about temperaments in the spiritual life, and maybe the four temperaments are something you've heard of, maybe there's something you're very familiar with, maybe there's something that this is your first time hearing about them at all. And so we're in kind of a privileged position because Chloe has heard about them. <laughs>
0: But I have no idea what temperament I am or the nitty-gritty of temperaments.
1: So, so I've purposely kept her out of the preparation for this episode <laughs> so that, like you, she can experience this live and hopefully ask the questions you're asking if you're not already familiar with this. Right, right. Why don't we begin? What what are you wondering right now?
0: Where did the four temperaments start from or what's their origin story?
1: Good question. I had to look this up. Hippocrates, the guy who invented the Hippocratic Oath, mm-hmm. kind of the father of medicine, uh he had this theory that there were broadly speaking four personality types and he associated this with different uh what were considered humors in the body like If you had too much blood or too much black bile or yellow bile or phlegm, they're really gross. Fortunately, we now know (laughs) that the medical side of that is all wrong. What he was getting right is that there are, broadly speaking, these different tendencies and you can kind of group people. You know, if you were to chart it out on a chart as to how people react to different stimulus, you'd see clusters. You'd see basically four clusters, not necessarily evenly dispersed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that tells you something, and you can make some, some good kind of evaluations based on that. But it's not actually based on the amount of phlegm in your body. Which
0: is good, because then the next question is, what personality types ended up getting associated with the different body fluids? Because I really don't want to be, well, any of them, but bile and blood and way yeah, to characterize myself.
1: Uh, Sanguines are the best, I think, because they come from sanguine, blood. <laughs> <laughs> and the other ones are only worse, like phlegmatics. It's too uh, much phlegm. That
0: uh, makes total sense now.
1: And then the color for melancholic and choleric is uh, referring to bile. Just different colors of bile. So, (laughs) (laughs) now you know the gross medical part. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess one of the questions is, why do we care about this? Yeah, yeah. And one of them is that people have this desire to know themselves. So, if you think about, like, BuzzFeed, uh, it rose to prominence as a website because they would have these things like, which Beauty and the Beast character are you, (laughs) or whatever. And so, they're really superficial, and there's no science behind them at all. But people liked kind of taking these and coming to some at least superficial, greater level of knowledge about themselves. Well, if that's one end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum would be something like the big five personality profile. And this is looking at five attributes. And unlike most of the things that we're talking about, uh, the big five test actually has some decent empirical verification that you can actually make determinations about how well someone will do at their job based on how they line up with what's called the ocean profile. This is openness to new activities or new experience, Mm. Uh, it's conscientiousness, it's extrovertedness, um, agreeability, and negative emotion. If you can see where someone lines up based on those five traits, you can have a pretty good idea of how they're going to do in a particular setting.
0: I think the danger with that is that personality types can often be misconstrued as
1: a box or an excuse. I am so glad you said that. (laughs) That was one of the things I I wanted to make sure we talked about. What we're talking about in today's episode, we want to distinguish between two things, uh, predictive and diagnostic. Yep. This is diagnostic. This is telling you a little bit more about yourself and about your tendencies. It's no guarantee that you're going to do X, Y, or Z with that tendency. Just says you have more of a proclivity to this, than a a different person knows you have less of a proclivity to this. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a starting point. And it should be something that you respond to rather than kind of give in to.
0: Yeah. Or for instance, like if you're more prone to a certain vice because of your personality type, that shouldn't be, well, I'm naturally prone to this vice. So I'm just going to constantly bring this to confession and not try to get better.
1: Right. You don't want kind of a boys will be boys mentality exactly. to the personality types. So, you know, phlegmatics will be phlegmatics. No, no. <laughs> it turns out you're called to be a saint. But the road you take to sainthood starts from in a real way your natural disposition or your temperament. It can be hard uh, sometimes to tell your temperament because life gets in the way. Uh, Your temperament is your natural disposition towards a certain thing. And there are all sorts of things that can cloud and interfere with that. Uh, Some of them good and some of them bad. Uh, So Father Conrad Hawk has a really good book on the temperaments, the four temperaments in the spiritual life. Uh, And in it, he lays out five reasons you may have trouble identifying what your temperament is. Number one, a person who's habitually given to sin. Mm, yeah. So maybe you don't naturally have a disposition to lying, but because of your, you know, severe drug addiction, you've gotten so used to lying, you know, it's a, sin compounds upon sin. And so you can easily start having vices that you aren't even naturally drawn to uh, because that's just the direction you've chosen to go in your life. Conversely, the second category is a person who's progressed very far on the path of perfection. You become aware of the areas in your life that are struggles, and you've excelled so much that they're barely even visible struggles anymore. It doesn't look like you have a a strong tendency to anger, for example, because you've grown so much in patience and and in virtue that you'd have to think back 20 years to really remember how angry you used to be.
0: Which isn't a bad problem to have. Not
1: a bad problem at all.
0: Problem number two over problem number one. Yeah,
1: and actually, while we're on that point, if there's one person... You know, it's fun to kind of categorize different characters and everything Mm -hmm. by the temperaments. And there's what's called the Four Temperament Ensemble. So frequently, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which you are probably too young to remember, uh, all of these kind of four-character shows, regularly they'll each fall into one of the four temperaments because it allows the writers to have more of a range of showing, you know, different emotions and expressions and people respond differently and there's good drama rather than having four basically identical people there's one person in writing who it's basically impossible to assign a temperament to and that's jesus christ he has all of the strengths of all four temperaments and none of the weaknesses now you might be thinking like well of course he's perfect (gasps) Uh. it's actually really remarkable because you think even if the writers were just trying to invent a perfect person yeah the fact that they invent someone who is perfect, not just in whatever their own temperament is, but in all of the temperaments they don't have and all the weaknesses that they don't have, is actually quite remarkable. Yeah. Uh, Superman doesn't fall into this. Yeah. We don't see this strong introversion that's going off to pray by himself and Superman. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. He has fortress of solitude, but I, it's not really. I'm not the same. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on Superman, but we're not going to. <laughs> but the point is that. This growth, this conformity to becoming like Christ means that you uh, progress from the temperament that you are born with without cheering it as a bad thing. I think especially melancholics will often have the experience of their temperament being a burden. Mm. And that doesn't have to be the case. Your temperament is a natural disposition. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the passion. Maybe you've never thought about the origin of the word, but... Passion comes from passive. It's the op- opposite of active. Right. It's the opposite of your action. Your passion is what you're receiving and the emotions that inspires just naturally. Your action is how you respond to your passion. Right. And so the passion is morally neutral. Right. Somebody cutting you off and it being really like aggravating naturally, that's not a sin. Mm-hmm. If you choose to give in to that aggravation, if you dwell on it, if you respond in anger to it, etc., well, that's where you can start to err. That's where you can start to sin. What the temperaments recognize is that not everyone is wired the same way in terms of their passions. Not everyone is going to be equally annoyed if they get cut off in traffic. Uh, and, and just knowing kind of where, where you are so you can progress in the spiritual life past that starting point. So the third category of people who have trouble placing their temperament, people who don't have good self-knowledge.
0: That makes sense. If you don't know who you are, it's hard to put yourself into a category of personality. Right.
1: If you have in your head who you wish you were... Yeah, that's a good point. ...rather than who you actually are, you might find that you don't score consistently or that your score for yourself is really different from if someone else gave you the quiz and they scored you. Uh, And so those are things to watch out for. Number four is a person who's very nervous. So if you've got a lot of stresses in your life, like if your job is going badly or there's a crisis in the family or whatever, you might chart so to speak as way more of an anxious personality than you really are ordinarily but that's an external
0: right kind of coming from within
1: and that's what makes this difficult it's looking at how you respond to external stimuli in a way Mm -hmm. but there are some stimuli so strong that every you know like even if you're not naturally given to anger there's a certain point at which you're going to get angry if you're not naturally given to uh sadness or sorrow there's going to be exceptions to, you know, you're not cold and stoic. So you might be uh, experiencing something so overwhelming that it colors the way you approach the temperament. We'll talk about how to, how to get maybe a good read. And the fifth is what's called a mixed temperament. A lot of people think they're a mixed temperament. Um, a fewer number of them actually are. Everyone is going to have certain elements of all four types. Like let's make that very clear. Like, if you are an emotionally well-rounded person, mm-hmm. you're going to have some element of everything we talk about. It's just a question of what what is your predominant type. Now, sometimes they'll talk about predominant and secondary, and I think that can be helpful. But just recognize that there are a small number of people who it's, it's really not clear which of the two is predominant and which one's secondary. Uh, but that number is, is smaller
0: We'll hope for your sake that I'm not one of those. And then we'll just make this example super clear and not complicated. You know, complicated. If, if you
1: do chart as one of those, I'm going to assume you just don't know yourself. Or...
0: Her self-knowledge is really off. And
1: <laughs> she's so she's
0: so stressed out.
1: <laughs> Sad or she's so entrenched in a life of vice and yeah. do not know it. She's
0: such a sinner.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the big overview. Any other questions? Any other thoughts about that?
0: Before we take the test, can we talk about just a general what the four are and what what that, those words mean essentially.
1: Yeah, actually, so Conrad Hawk, Father Conrad Hawk, has a good short description of all four of them. So what it's really looking at is how quickly you respond to external stimulus and how long that response lasts. In other words, there are some people who, they see something and they get immediately excited about it, for better or for worse. Right. Maybe, maybe they're excited happy, maybe they're excited angry, but they're very excitable and that excitement is very brief, and they move on to the next thing. There are some people who get excited very quickly, and that tends to last. Those two types tend to be more extroverted. Their relationship with the world is a much quicker external reaction. The two typically more introverted types, you have those who it takes a while for there to be sort of the emotional buildup. This could mean two things. This could mean it takes several Stimuli like it takes uh, the same thing happening a lot to really have this kind of emotional reaction Uh, It could mean that it takes a while to sort of trust the stimuli, you know that you experience a joyful situation But your heart doesn't immediately leap for joy. It sort of dwells on it for a minute Yep, maybe longer than a minute and then the joy happens but over time and then there are people who have that um, But it's not an enduring reaction okay so they tend to come off as maybe more lethargic or apathetic because it takes a while to build up a strong emotion and it doesn't take much for that strong emotion to subside and it's
0: mostly internal processing too so it's not like a lot of people are aware of this exactly
1: they can seem uh like they're not super connected to the outside world and i want to put out this happens you know very early so those, I should name those so you know what I'm talking about here. The people who react to something quickly and it's a fleeting reaction are called sanguines. And so St. Peter, if you think about him, mm-hmm. he is ready immediately to go die for our Lord and then almost immediately thereafter he denies him and then he comes back. And, but notice how quickly he puts himself into motion. Yep. It doesn't take a lot of like meditation and dwelling before he's ready to go. St. Paul, on the other hand, also seems to have this uh, speed at which he can react to things. But we don't see him changing his mind much. We don't see him kind of changing direction much. Right. He's much more of what we would call choleric. Okay, That's the fast and enduring reaction. Uh, the first one, the the tendency there, uh, the, the risks. So if we want to talk about the spiritual risks. Yes. It's superficiality. Um, it's starting twenty books and not finishing them. Uh, it's seeming unserious, you know. Like if a struggle you have is not laughing at a funeral, that may be a sign you're a sanguine. It's these people tend to feel joy very strongly, which yeah. is beautiful, uh, but they can also really get caught up in the latest and the greatest and the next passing fad, and the, the butterfly that crosses the path is distracting. <laughs> And so distraction in the spiritual life, whether that's in prayer or in doing the works of God in general, uh, can really be an issue, and uh, sensual pleasures, food, drink, sex, etc. Right. They can get lost in those things and lose sight of the greater long-term goods like virtue and like God. Cholerics, on the other hand, also are wired towards the world in a certain way, but they have these longer more enduring reactions so there's often more of a seriousness with them where the first type seems a little fleeting the second type can be serious to a fault and so the emotion most associated with them is they tend to feel anger more intensely and manifest it okay so uh if you're familiar with the type a type b personalities cholerics are your quintessential type a so the things that they're going to be wired for are not, like, neuroticism. They're not, I need to go to a doctor and and see about, like, why I'm depressed all the time. They're, like, having to worry about heart disease because they are get-it-done kind of people. Uh, And they have a great personality for that except that they have to be careful that they don't use people Mm -hmm. uh, and they have to constantly be battling the sin of pride. Now, I should, like, I should reveal that I am a combination of the two types I just mentioned, (laughs) which makes for a fascinating kind of life. Yeah, um I know a priest who uses national like nationalities as a stand in for the person because these stereotypes about different nationalities often reflect yeah. different temperaments. So Italy is a great example of sanguine, you know food and drink and yeah. wine and women and all of this, but maybe not a lot of seriousness. Germany is a good example. Of kind of the cholera, like the stereotypes about Germans are stereotypes about cholera and vice versa. Those are the two extroverted, classically extroverted, I mean again there can be exceptions, but typically uh, those two are the extroverted types. As for the two introverted types, melancholics are maybe the most famous. So melancholics tend to feel sorrow more intensely. So they're empathetic. They are. They receive uh, external kind of stimuli only gradually. There's not this instantaneous reaction, but the reactions that they have tend to be really enduring. So much so, uh, Father Hawk compares them to a fence post. It takes a lot of hammer hits to get it into the ground, but once it's in the ground, it's basically immovable. And so it might take a lot to really burn the bridge with them, but once it's burnt, it's very, very hard to rebuild. (sighs) This personality type, what are the strengths of it? Well, one of the strengths is that they don't have the sanguine's problem. If the sanguine can easily get lost in the pleasures of the world, That's really not usually a problem melancholics have. Mm -hmm. They'll often have a very idealistic picture before it happens, but they're invariably disappointed. Invariably, nothing lives up to the expectations of what they have. Uh, No food, no drink, no program, no assignment, no worldly joy is ever as good as what they're wanting in their heart. And what that is is a really strong imprint of Eden and of heaven and of God. Yeah. And so this craving for God, uh, one of the things Father Hawk says is that they better than anyone knows what Augustine means when he says, our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. That they just can't be happy with the stuff that maybe a sanguine can distract themselves with for a long time. And so the joy there, the, the real upside to that is that they're wired for holiness the downside is that they're also wired in such a way that despair seems yeah. like always around the corner
0: because they're always disappointed
1: because it's yeah it is a life of constant no re, no human relationship lives up to what they are really wanting and they know that right. in a way that most other people don't know that now i mean that's true what i've just said is true of all of us yeah but some of us focus more on the the glass half bowl yep and as a result we can forget that the glass really should be fuller. The curé of Ars, St. John Vianney, is actually a really great example of a melancholic saint. Um, And then the last type is phlegmatics. Now, phlegmatics, remember, okay, so sanguines are marked by strong joy, cholerics by strong anger, melancholics by strong sorrow. Cholerics don't have a corresponding strong emotional (laughs) response. And... Uh, this is often received as insulting. <laughs>
0: right. Everyone but, else gets one. But... <laughs> exactly.
1: Like, what's wrong with us that so we don't have emotions? But I think it's better to understand them as calm.
0: Okay. so neutral. They have
1: a lot of emotional stability. Uh, and there are obvious advantages to that. They, they can be just. They can be peaceable. Yeah. They can really be peacemakers. And they can be very pleasant, but not in a real, like, intrusive sort of pleasant way. Right. The downside... Is that apathy can be a, a real serious struggle. Mm-hmm. Sloth can be a real serious struggle. Mm-hmm. Sloth in the sense of not doing uh, what God is calling you to do. So that's maybe a broad view. Yeah. Most people probably, having heard what I just said, if they've got good self knowledge, they know where they're at. They can know where they're at, yeah. right? The the test is helpful, but it shouldn't be shocking. Like if you're getting something dramatically different than what you think yeah. you are, that's a red, red flag. flag. Uh, Now, related to this, I want to also add one thing, which is that the temperaments manifest themselves very, very early on. Anyone who's ever met, like, babies and toddlers will see they have different personalities. I got to experience this in kind of a fun way uh, with my little niece and nephew. I actually have, like, 11 or 12? now. I've lost track. Uh, Hopefully my siblings don't listen to this and realize I could have done the counting before I got here. I'm regretting this already. But the very first two... They're cousins of one another. Mm -hmm. The eldest one, Jude, he is a quintessential phlegmatic. He is orderly. He is peaceable. He is uh, happy to come into a loud, raucous family party and sit in a chair and smile and just take everything in. And if you talk to him, he's happy to talk to you. Yeah. But he feels no, he's not sitting there nervously. He's not like, oh no, who do I go talk to? He just kind of takes it all in and he absorbs it. He's been this way since he was a very small child.
0: That's fascinating.
1: And if you would ask him about his day from like first grade or preschool on even, uh, he had this pattern where his mom would say, Jude, how was your day? And he'd be like, good. And that was it. That was all he was going to, yep. Yeah. And she'd say, what did you do? And he would say, why don't you tell me? (laughs) And he wasn't trying to be lippy. He was just trying to be like, yeah, let's have this conversation, but I don't want to do all the work of having to carry it. Now, his cousin is 180 degrees opposed to that. She is very much a sanguine and has been since she was a very small child. Very extroverted, really, like, wanting to be the center of attention, putting on a show, uh, getting really drawn to whatever objects were in the room, and if you asked her about her day, she'd say, I did 24 things today. <laughs> and she wouldn't have 24 things. She would just be, it's like a bid in spades. Like she's just saying, okay, you have to listen to me until I come up with 24 things that I did. And so it'd be a combination of real things and like probably fictional things. That just like, to get
0: to that 24 day. Right, number, right. <laughs>
1: And so it's just interesting seeing how different you know the two of them were um, at her, I think second birthday party. He's three, she's two, and uh, they have cupcakes for them with you know they sing "Happy Birthday," and she's excited, and she starts clapping her hands together, sending cupcake flying everywhere. Meanwhile, Jude is eating his cupcake, I kid you not, with a fork and knife at three. <laughs> And when he sees her do this, he looks up and just is aghast.
0: What are you doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not just like parenting, because Jude's younger siblings are not like this. That's fascinating. They have their own strong personality types. His younger brother, my godson Dominic, is the most choleric little kid I've ever met in my life. He uh, threatened his dad when he... So, okay, I need to back that up. He's like four at the time. His dad, my brother-in-law. Tells my sister a story uh, about a baseball player who got injured. And she said, oh, that makes me want to (laughs) cry. And Dominic says, don't you make my mama cry. (laughs) And is like just ready to go charging towards his own father who is (laughs) way bigger than him. (laughs) Who he would not. But (laughs) but it's that that's very much a choleric reaction. Yep. And so those uh, hopefully that illustrates it a little bit. Melancholics, I think it's we don't actually have a strong melancholic in the family as far as i can tell um but that's i think a clear enough personality type so it really does manifest itself very early now like i said this is a disposition so as you're answering these you want to think what your natural disposition is that can be tricky based on life circumstances Um, sometimes it's helpful to look at how you were as a kid but that only really works if you had a, a childhood in which you were free to be how you naturally are. Yeah, good point. If you have really overbearing parents who demand you conform to a, like if they're constantly telling you to smile or constantly telling you to calm down mm-hmm. or something like this, maybe you learned from a young age to act differently than your natural temperament. But knowing what that natural hardwiring is uh, lets you respond to it again. That makes sense. So, uh, with all of that in mind, do you think you got a, a good enough, you want to make a prediction as to what your uh, results are going to be?
0: I think I'm going to be melancholic.
1: I think you might be right. I
0: think I am. Also, before we start, does this line up well with like, other personnel? Like, I'm a big Myers-Briggs fan.
1: Ah, very glad you asked <gasps> that. So, Myers-Briggs, for those who aren't familiar, uh, if you hear people say they're like ENTP, that's mm-hmm. what I am. What,
0: what are I, your on name? INFJ.
1: INFJ. Oh, that's great. You're almost (laughs) definitely going to be a melancholic. Uh, You're probably going to be a combination between melancholic and panic, which is my opposite. So for those who don't know what those letters mean, we're looking at four things. The first trait is introversion and extroversion. I'm an E, which means I'm extroverted. I'm definitely introverted. Introversion and extroversion doesn't mean you hate people. Right. Um, One of the ways people talk about it is how you get your energy, which is pretty good, but it, it really is about your orientation towards the world whether you're spending more time kind of internally responding to these things or whether you sort of work through things externally. We have, I think, stereotypes of introverts and extroverts that are too extreme. But introversion and extroversion is very much associated with the four temperaments. Uh, The second thing it's looking at on the Myers-Briggs is N versus S. That's intuition versus sensation. So sensation, you're looking at everything you're receiving through your senses. Intuition, you're getting more of a read, and it may not be something reducible to or explainable in kind of the visible data. Right. Um, and so people who are intuitive tend to be more theoretical, whereas people who are sensitive tend to be more practical. Now, I want to also mention, all of these types are good. The, the, obviously, these not are, a
0: wrong or right. Right,
1: there's not a... a Some people wish they had a different one, but honestly the world is richer having, there's a reason God gave us both types. Uh, The third one is thinking versus feeling. Now this doesn't mean everyone's either like an emotional idiot or else like a regular idiot. It it just means that when you make decisions, are you more likely to have to work it through logically or go with your gut? Mm -hmm. I'm the first type. I have to think it through and I'll make a decision kind of rationally. That's how I'm wired, that's how I prefer to make decisions, that's how I feel more comfortable decisions. I see you shaking no, your that's head. That's
0: not me at all. There have been multiple times where I have made a decision and then afterward have thought, that was totally illogical. That <laughs> probably shouldn't have been the thing I I mean granted, like it goes both ways. There are other decisions right. that I make and it's good. But there's been a lot of times where I've caught myself and thought, Oh, if I'd Process this a little bit
1: better. I may have been in a better spot. Yeah, so it's going with your heart. But that is a really rich personality type. They often are better with people. It turns out, (laughs) if you're coldly logical, uh, you often rub people the wrong way. It's weird. (laughs) Uh, And then the last one is, I think, conceptually the hardest to grasp, Mm -hmm. which is perceiving and judging. Uh, The best I understand it is it's about your relationship to order. Yep. So um, I'm very much a P. I'm a perceiver. Which means I'm often kind of reacting to the situation. Uh, One of the mottos of Ps is the genius controls the chaos, (laughs) and so you're very fine with chaos and disorder, and you're often more creative, artistic, uh, and and you kind of thrive in that environment. You're often late to things. I was 23 minutes late getting here. (laughs) Like
0: describing you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is. I'm a strong P. I'm actually so I am an ENTP. And the only one there's any ambiguity on at all is the end. (laughs) Uh, So I'm kind of a quintessential type in a a certain way.
0: Poster child of the personality type.
1: How do these things we just said at the Myers-Briggs correspond to the four temperaments? A choleric? And so I apologize, by the way, for anyone who's not familiar with the Myers-Briggs because this part probably doesn't make any sense.
0: We'll put it in the show notes, though. So if you you don't know yours, uh, Yeah,
1: there's actually, I think there's a very good um, four-question version. Called Ipersonic, and then you can look up what your Ipersonic result means corresponding to a Myers Briggs. They give a different title to everything, but I think they do a typically good job. Yeah. Again, with the caveats that you know yourself well, and some people are gonna be a little bit in the middle, so mm-hmm. it's harder to get a good read. But an ENTJ, a person who is like me, but more orderly, is uh, the perfect choleric. Yep. They're extroverted, they're intuitive, meaning they've got a kind of a big picture of things. They're thinking, they're very orderly because they're J's, they're judging, they have kind of a plan, a program, and they want to conquer the world. That's sort of the stereotype of both an ENTJ and a choleric. An ESFP is your classic sanguine type. They're extroverted, they're very sensory, which makes them different than an intuitive, and they're very, like, follow their heart. Yeah. And they're also really okay with disorder. Again, Italy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Oh, I didn't do the two introverted kind of national stereotypes. Yeah. The melancholic one is very Irish. Yep. Like this poetic soul—that's yep. very much your melancholic. And for a kind of the the calm, think about just a, a place where you don't have. <laughs> Jamaica's the one I've mm-hmm. sometimes heard. This is the one the priest gave me. Of just like the stereotype of Jamaica is just very relaxed, like unwind. It's the Caribbean. Just you yeah. know, don't worry exist. about it. Yeah. yeah. So those are broadly, I mean, obviously those are dramatically reductionist. Right. But, okay, ESFP, sanguine. Yep. For the two introverted, ISTJ are melancholics. Okay. They tend to be orderly, that's the J part. Pretty logical, that's the thinking part. Um, but they're also very sensitive in the sense that they're receiving the sensory data, and this is actually frequently a source of a lot of the sorrow. Yep. And, and it's an introverted type, so it's an I. And then INFP, your introverts who are more intuitive and more feeling and more perceiving, those are your pure phlegmatic. So they're kind of more philosophical. (laughs) They're much more okay with things being maybe less orderly. (laughs) And it's also more of like a follow your heart. Those are, again, I mean, none of this is perfect, but these can be helpful ways of sort of figuring out where am I starting from? Mm-hmm. What sins am I most likely to struggle with? What strengths do I most naturally have? Right. And then you can kind of make these determinations from there.
0: What are the implications of the four temperaments for our spiritual and interior life?
1: So think about something like confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people say they struggle to go to confession. And if you don't know them very well, you may not know how to respond to that. You might respond by being like, oh no, your sins are really very bad. (laughs) But maybe they don't need to hear that. Maybe they're very aware of how bad their sins are and that's why they're afraid to go. So typically, uh, I think confession is one of the clearest places where the four temperaments manifest themselves because of the way each of the four types struggles to go. So a melancholic tends to have a very severe sense of the severity of her sins and Doesn't want to go uh, Because admitting these sins is is very difficult contrition for the sins is there Mm -hmm. but being able to Talk about the sins and being aware the mercy of God is bigger than those sins Can be a real difficulty Um, choleric this very kind of type a personality Uh, often doesn't want to admit a fault, but it's motivated more out of pride than a deep sense of shame. So it looks similar on the outside, but they're really not the same. A sanguine may have no problem telling you about his sins, but feeling true contrition for the sins and making a firm resolution, making any kind of firm resolution, (laughs) but a firm resolution uh, to sin no more is where the struggle is for it. And then for a phlegmatic, it may just be making the action of like actually getting up and going to confession. There's this kind of sense in the back of the mind like, oh yeah, I should really do that. Mm-hmm. But turning that into a real driving, but it's not this huge emotional weight of one kind or the other. It's, it's more just stirring that flame up enough uh, to actually get into confession. So each of the four types may say, you know, I really struggle to go to confession. Mm-hmm. But they're really meaning four very different things by that. And so only if you know that can you know uh, how to give good counsel for them or what to watch out for in In you. All right, so before we take this quiz, I want to give a few kind of instructions to everyone listening. You should, if you want to take it, if you want to just listen to how Chloe does, just listen. But if you want to take it yourself and figure out your own traits, you should make a list numbered 1 through 50. I'm not gonna read the numbers before each question. I'm just gonna read the question. So just make sure you're uh, marking them. Then you're gonna mark them uh, yes, no, or neutral. Um, I do a Y, an N, or just a little dash for neutral. Make sure that if you don't know, that you at least mark neutral. Uh, If you need to pause and think about it, you can. Uh, But you don't wanna just like leave it blank and then have the numbering screwed up because at the end, I'm gonna give you a series of numbers and you're gonna give yourself points for however many yeses you got to those, and half points for however many neutrals you got. So I'm gonna tell you a choleric is indicated by the following numbers. I'm gonna give you a series of numbers. You will tabulate the number of yeses you have, plus give yourself half points for the number of neutrals you have for those numbers, and then write down the total number. And the highest number you have, which is usually, for a lot of people, it's, it's a pretty pronounced that's most likely your temperament. By the way, the 50 version questionnaire is going to be available uh, through the show notes. Yep. So if you prefer to take it online, you can do it that way. So if you don't want to keep track of this with pen and paper, you can just listen to Chloe, <laughs> see because how she does, is. and then we can judge her. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, exactly. you can, yeah, if, if you prefer to take it online where I will make that as easy as we can for you. Okay, now let's do... This is a quick version. This is, again, Father Hawk's. Um, I also want to mention right now, Art and Lorraine Bennett have a lot of books on this, most famously The Temperament God Gave You. And so those are some nice modern ones. Uh, Father Hawk is a German spiritual director from the early 20th century. Fantastic. But I I want to warn anyone who gets his book. It's available for free online. I think we could actually put it in the show notes. Um, He is very much looking at what your faults are so you can correct them so if you're looking for like an affirmation of who you are and your personality type he gives just enough sugar to let the medicine go down and it's a lot of medicine (laughs) uh so for all four personality types he's like this he he's sort of like here's what's wrong with you (laughs) uh just know that going in Because otherwise, you can get a little uh, down, I think, about the results.
0: Especially if you're one personality type. Right, especially
1: if you are a melancholic. (laughs) All right. So he gives this as kind of the quick version of the test. Uh, Number one, do I react immediately and vehemently or slowly and superficially to a strong impression made upon me? i probably lean wet slowly and superficially. Okay, great. Uh, Second, am I inclined to act at once? Or to remain calm and to wait?
0: Probably calm and wait.
1: All right. And number three, does the excitement last for a long time or only for a short while? For a long time. Okay. That is a melancholy. Okay. Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. You are <laughs> calm right. but have these enduring kind of reactions. So here's what he says. The sanguine temperament is marked by quick but shallow superficial excitability. The choleric by quick but strong and lasting the melancholic temperament, by slow but deep, and the phlegmatic, by, shallow, by slow but shallow excitability. And so, yeah, you add, you know the slow, enduring reaction is a melancholic.
0: Okay, that lines up with, yeah, what I was thinking, so that makes sense.
1: He also says, it's a fundamental disposition of the soul, which manifests itself uh, whenever an impression is made upon the mind. But, so this is, again, it's morally neutral. It's just saying... How are you likely right. um, to react? All right. And so, you know, we mentioned the Curia of ours as a good melancholic mm-hmm. saint. Uh, the other three temperaments. So Saint Ignatius of Loyola was a, very much a choleric by disposition. That wasn't obvious by later in his life because he'd grown so much in yep. virtue. But he starts off as like this adventure-seeking soldier mm-hmm. who is, you know, he, he has a conversion because he's in the hospital because he got hit by a cannon. <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome, like, this is the most choleric you can kind of get. Uh, St. Francis de Sales, when he was a young man, was very sanguine. Um, De Sales, we know a little more about because he wrote on the temperaments a lot. He was very interested in this. Uh, St. John Vianney, very much kind of a melancholic. And then for a phlegmatic, it's kind of a surprising one because people often kind of overlook and dislike phlegmatic as temperament. But St. Thomas Aquinas. So he was called the dumb ox. Yeah. Because he kind of stayed quiet. He observed yep. the world around him. And he wasn't an idiot. Mm-mm. He wasn't prone to these really like bubbly or extroverted or like explosive reactions. He just took everything in. He processed it. And the results we have are incredible. Yep. We're talking about the Summa. So hopefully again, uh, listeners are realizing like all four of these are good. We want a world.
0: Right. There's saints in all four categories.
1: Yeah. And we want different kinds of saints. We've right. talked about this in the past that sanctity is a love affair with the infinite god Mm -hmm. and that's never reducible to these kind of cookie cutter saints so no two saints look that much alike Mm -hmm. like when you compare saint jerome saint joan of arc saint therese like these people look very different from one another let's do the long version of the quiz here for this you're gonna say yes or no uh if you're neutral just say neutral and we'll skip it and we won't we won't give you any points for it one way or okay. the other. Alright. So there's fifty questions. Are you quickly excited at offenses and feel inclined to retaliate and oppose an insult immediately? No. Do you look at life always from the serious side? Neutral. Okay. Do you easily lose confidence in your fellow men? Yes. Ouch,
0: I'm I'm so- <laughs> I need to stop <laughs> giving <podcast> feedback. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: are you greatly inclined to flatter those whom you love? Yes. Are you won by quiet explanation of reasons and motives, mm-hmm. but embittered and driven to strong resistance by harsh commands? In other words, if someone tells you to do something without giving you any clarification as to why, mm-hmm. you'll just be like, no, I'm not going to do it. Or okay. you'll, you'll at least have to fight that really strong, like, I just refuse to do it unless I know why. Yes. Uh, Do you love company and amusements? No. Does your thinking easily turn into reflection, which may stir you up profoundly, yet not let your excitement (laughs) be noted outwardly?
0: No, I'm going to have to go with neutral
1: then. Okay. Are you vehemently provoked by disorder or injustice? Yes. Do you have and show very little interest in what goes on about you? No. Do you find it hard to trust people, and are you always afraid that others have a grudge against you? Yes. Do you dislike prolonged reflection and are easily distracted? No. Do you usually not feel an offense at the moment, but feel it so much more keenly a few hours later or even the next day? Yep. That, by the way, if I may, is one of the best marks of the difference between the introverted and extroverted type. Is it very hard for you to deny yourself some favorite food? No. Do you easily get angered by an offense, but soon are pleasant again? No. Are you a person of enthusiasm, i.e., Are you not satisfied with the ordinary, but aspire after great and lofty things, temporal or spiritual? Yes. Are you unwilling to admit a weakness or a defeat, and consequently try to deceive others even by outright lies?
0: I feel like I need to go to confession based on the answer for this
1: one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go ahead and mark it. You don't have to say it out loud. Do you love silence and solitude and seclusion from the crowds? Yes. Do you easily become jealous, envious, and uncharitable? Yes. Do you feel happy when in a position to command? Neutral. And do you spend much time deliberating, yet reach decisions only with difficulty? No. Do you like to be flattered?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you easily complain of insignificant ailment and constantly fear grave sickness? No. Are you very much inclined to ease, to eating and drinking? No. Do you feel discouraged by difficulties in your undertakings? Yes. Do you find it difficult to form new acquaintances, to speak among strangers, to find the right words to express your sentiments? Yes. Do you pay keen attention to your appearance and that of others, to a beautiful face, to fine and modern clothes? Yes. Do you persevere under great difficulties until you reach your goal? Yes. Yes. Do you become suspicious and reticent by a rude word or an unfriendly look? Yes. Is it very hard to guard your eyes, ears, tongue, and keep silent? Mm, no. Are you loath to appear in public and to be praised? Yes. Do you allow others to be preferred to you, but at the same time feel alighted because you are being ignored?
0: <laughs> yes, only because I pray the litany of humility too
1: much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do you dislike even hate, caresses, and sentimentality? No. Can you be heartless, even cruel, in regards to the suffering of others? Even trample cold-bloodedly upon the welfare of others, if you cannot otherwise reach your goal? No. Do you have little inclination to work, preferring repose and leisure? No. Do you lack perseverance? Does interest in things fade quickly? No. Are you inclined to inordinate intimacy and flirtation? (laughs) No. No. Feel awkward asking you these <laughs> questions on the air. Um, do you lack courage in correcting people? And then he explained it can show itself in two forms. Kay. Either A, you go about it so carefully and tenderly that it can hardly be called a correction, or B, you shout your correction excitedly and angrily.
0: I'm super guilty at one, so yes. All right.
1: <laughs> do you see everything, hear, and talk about everything? Ah, uh, neutral. Okay. Do you love light work, which attracts attention, where there is no need of deep thinking or great effort? No. Do you consider yourself as somebody, as a capital S somebody, as extraordinary, as always right, and not needing the help of others? No. Do you belittle or, by remarks and unfair means, even persecute those who dare oppose you? No. Can you quickly pass from tears into laughter and vice versa? No. Are you easily captivated by every new idea or mood? Nope. Do you love variety in everything? Um, yeah. Do you remain composed, even thoughtful, deliberate, with a sober and practical judgment in the face of suffering, failure, and offenses? Neutral. Do you like to poke fun at others, tease them, and play tricks on them?
0: Oh, no, because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> clever enough to come up with good ideas.
1: <laughs> Does a strong aversion usually take root in your heart against persons from whom you've suffered or in whom you find fault? Sometimes so strong you do not want to speak to them or cannot stand the sight of them without new excitement. Yes. Okay. Do you get vehemently excited by contradiction, resistance, and personal offenses? And do you show this excitement in harsh words which may be and sound like being polite, yet hurt to the core?
0: Mm, sometimes. it's Neutral. Okay. Situational.
1: <laughs> now, for the last two, uh, the question's a little different. Rather than saying a yes, no... You've got A, B, C, D choices. Okay. So these are going to be about your bad dispositions and about your good dispositions. Okay. So which of these bad dispositions are yours? You can choose one or two of the following four. A, obstinacy, anger, and pride. B, sloth and lack of energy. C, lack of courage and dread of suffering. D, talkativeness and inconsistency.
0: A, very strongly. It's like an examination of conscience.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very... I mean, this is the spiritual director giving it. Yeah. Now, finally, which of these good traits comes naturally to you? A... And again, you can choose one or two. Okay. A, good nature, repose of mind. B, sympathy for others, love for solitude and prayer. C, strong will, energy, fearlessness, and ambition. D, cheerfulness... Facility to get along well with difficult people. B and D. Okay, great. All right, so now we want to total up the results. I'm going to read for everyone listening who was taking notes how to do this. Uh, Then we'll total up Chloe's and I'll tell you the results. Give one point for the choleric temperament for yeses for the following numbers. 1, 5, 8, 15, 16, 19 27 32 33 40 41 47 48 and then an A for number 49 and a C for number 50. Those that's your choleric, write that number down. Your sanguine number, you're gonna to total up 4, 6, 11, 13, 14, 20, 21, 24, 26, 29, 34, 35, 36, 38, 39, 42, 43, 44, 46. And then a D for 49 and a D for 50. By the way, for neutrals, you should give yourself a half point.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, for the melancholic temperament, you're going to total up your yeses with a half point for a neutrals for the following. 2, 3, 5, 7, 10... 12, 13, 17, 18, 20, 22, 24, 25, 28, 30, 31, 37, 47, and a C for 49, and a B for 50. And then finally for the phlegmatic, uh yes is for 9, 23, 34, 35, 45, a B for 49, and an A for 50. If you're phlegmatic, you probably have low scores than the other ones. You may have noticed there are a lot fewer phlegmatic ones, but if you find you didn't say yes to very many of them, that of itself, like if your overall yeses, you don't have many of them, it's a stronger sign you're a phlegmatic. So now let's total up Chloe's, and I'll tell you the results. All right, so the tabulation is complete. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, listeners, what do you think Chloe scored as? <laughs> I don't know what you said. Chloe, what do you think you scored as? I
0: still think I'm melancholic.
1: Yes, I got to say, I was wrong um, about your... sec What do you think was your secondary?
0: I'm going to say sanguine, and that may be wrong, but that's the...
1: I had guessed your secondary would be phlegmatic. So we were, we were absolutely right that you were melancholic. Right. You got 15 points for melancholic okay the next closest was actually choleric where you got eight so huh. you're you're not like you're not a mixed type at all okay uh yeah, when you're like basically twice as much right that is anything else that's a very strong sign you got only six and a half for sanguine you got half a point for phlegmatic oh wow <laughs> so <laughs> as Screw an me. introvert you're a very particular type of introvert yep uh so i think that's it i don't know interesting hopefully uh, you were able to follow along at home, and if not, we just encourage you to, to listen to it online. Yep. Or, you know, take the quiz online. What was your reaction to it?
0: I think a couple things. I've taken multiple personality tests multiple times, and like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of the Myers-Briggs, and every time that I have been told to retake the Myers-Briggs, it's during moments of desolation or consolation, and I've gotten completely different results than I know my core one usually is. And so the external processing or like things happening outside and coming in and influencing you definitely plays a role.
1: While we were tabulating this up during the Jeopardy music, (laughs) uh, you were talking about how like when you're hearing about being angry, you're imagining the angriest you've ever been. Right. So you're probably scoring even higher uh, sanguine and choleric than you actually are Mm -hmm. just because you're able to think of, okay, well, one time,
0: right. And those are the memories that imprint themselves, right? It's like, it's hard to remember the times that I've responded calmly
1: because even if that's my natural tendency, I may not be as aware of it too. I hope this is something that's beneficial for you. So over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack each of these four temperaments to give you a sense for who they are, what they're like. Now you should listen to these. If you are this temperament, Or if you're married to someone with this temperament. Or if you have kids with someone with this temperament. Mm -hmm. Or if you have coworkers In other words, even if you are not a melancholic, or you're not a sanguine, or you're not a choleric, or you're not a phlegmatic, you know people who are. Right. And this is maybe even more important to know for the temperaments that you are not. Because on some level, you probably know how you're wired, how you would respond to things. And one of the great difficulties in the spiritual life is not just juxtaposing that on everyone around you expecting that they'll operate the same way you right. do so i'd encourage you uh, to listen to the next four episodes as we explore those with different guests who will help us unpack uh, what those look like But let's close now with a prayer glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it
0: was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen
1: in the name of the father and the
0: son the holy spirit amen, amen. The Catholic Podcast is an initiative of the Holy Family School of Faith Institute. To find out more or to see how you can contribute to our mission, check out www.schooloffaith.com.